Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm going to talk to you about the heart this morning or the center of man and woman. It's the heart and I want to talk about that area because I believe God is doing some things in our lives, a racing towards encounter weekend and the woman, there is, uh, there is, you're not left out on this just because the men are having an encounter. You also can have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Maybe if your husband has an encounter, you might have an encounter because he's had an encounter, hey? And uh, how about that? And uh, he changed, you might change. And uh, which is awesome. But hey, I want to open up uh, by reading a scripture found in Malachi. Malachi's a prophet. He's called the minor prophet. So he's not ranked in with the like some of the bigger guys in scripture. But, he, but what he's saying is still prophetic. It's still inspired by God. He has a scripture in there in uh, Malachi 4, 5, and 6. And it says, Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful or fearsome day of the Lord, and it says this, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And then in Luke, Gabriel, of course, had come to, uh, to Elizabeth and said, you're going to have a son. You call him John, John the Baptist. And Luke 1, 7, it says, he will also go before him in the spirit now, and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Okay, so in short, both Elijah was a real guy. And uh, he, was, he comes on the scene. It's really interesting in Kings. There's no background to Elijah at all. There's no background. I don't know anything about this guy's life. He just fronts up and he brings through a word he declares famine over the state of Israel, the Canaan land, okay? So he says that there's a, there's a period of time, around about three years, where there's going to be a shortage. There's going to be a famine or a, uh, a drought. The reason why the drought came is a response to King Ahab. Now, remember, Israel had made, it was supposed to be in a covenant relationship with Yahweh, God, and, uh, but they had so deviated they had so gone off and uh, celebrating all sorts of immorality and uh, paganism. And to give you a bit of a picture of the Baal that they worship, it actually came from one of their neighbors through a girl who married as a political marriage. Her name was Jezebel. She married King Ahab. It was a jack-up relationship to two countries would be at peace. I don't know how she felt about that. But what she did do, she had what was called a Phoenician worldview. And so she brought an idolatry into the state of Israel. Give you a bit of a heads up. We're a Christianized nation. Uh, Rarotonga, you would say that we affiliate uh, with the God of the Bible. That'd be a bit like um, the prime minister uh, marrying a particular woman from a completely different people group and coming over here and setting up idolatry, getting rid of the churches, killing the pastors. You might think that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, killing the pastors, getting rid of uh, Christian leadership, getting rid of all the crosses, uh, Christian literature, burning all the Bibles, getting rid of it, and beginning to set up uh, figures around the hilltops, and they used to do debauched activity. I'll leave that up for your own imagination, what went on. Uh, if you read it and uh, study history, you'll realize it is terrible. And then they begin to sacrifice children. They begin to kill the young. 
And a lot of people say today, well, aren't we killing the young today as well? It's the same spirit as alive and well. It's the spirit of Moloch. But that, uh, so Baal worship was pretty intense. So God got angry and began to bring a drought. The reason why God brings a judgment is not just to punish us from sin. Often God will bring uh, punishment and close blessing around our life because He's trying to get our attention. You understand that when it's kind of like when we begin to get out there and go uh, to get involved with all sorts of things, God has a, a way of beginning to close the heavens and close blessing around our lives. Elijah was a prophet. He has the same ministry as John the Baptist. Remember when Gabriel said there's going to, he, John the Baptist is going to come in the same spirit and the anointing that Elijah had. What is the similarity between John and what is the similarity between Elijah? I'll tell you what, both of them brought in repentance into a nation. Both of them came in the spirit and the power. They confronted sin. They carried the anointing of reformation. Both of them were ordained by God to be a spokesperson to actually uh, charter the church, uh, uh, bring it back on its course, bring the nation back to where it should be. So we're going to see also the climate that was in the days of uh, Elijah. We're going to see the same kind of moral climate manifest before the coming of the Lord. And it's going to take the prophetic voice to bring people on track. And let me tell you this, the church itself carries the same anointing. The church, you carry that anointing of the repentance and the anointing to better help reconcile and bring people back to Christ. And that's what I'm saying. You've got that answer. You've got it. You're sitting on it. And sometimes we can be so self-consumed and worry about what they think about us and what these people think about us and stuff. But I want to say this. We've got to break. We've got to break the routine. We've got to break the parameters, the fears, the insecurities, and begin to testify and tell people. And I listened to the guy the other day, and he said, you know, you can have all sorts of Bible schools, all sorts of books that have been written, all sorts of people preaching in the world. But he said, one thing you cannot have, you will never find a school dedicated to hunger. You won't find that. It's something that you've either got it or you haven't got it, but you can stir that thing up. Proverbs said, a person is hungry, stirs himself up, drives the person forward. Some of us, you might have a small hunger for God. That's a good place to be. But some of you might be consumed with God and have an incredible abandonment. You've given your life fully over to the Lord. That's a great place to be. But when the nation, hear me this, when Rarotonga loses its place in God, loses its hunger, it's close up time. The anointing and the power of God comes off our nation and we're going to be facing all sorts of giants. What God is doing right now is stirring up His people internationally and bringing His people back into a first relationship, first love relationship, first passion with Jesus Christ. We are debunking religion. We are getting rid of religion. Religiosity is just like stunned mullets and statues. It's just like we go to church, we clock in. This is my seat. Get out of my seat. This is my area. This is what I look like. No, we've got to get rid of that stuff. We've got to have life on the inside. It's like being in a marriage with somebody and it's boring and it's dry. It has been. You were once in love and the romance was there, but the thing has just got old and tired. It's a revival. You need a revival in the marriage. You need to spend some team time together. You need to get the romance thing. You need to stir up the pot one more time. It's the same with the church, with our relationship with Jesus. It's so easy to do church. We'll fill the gas up the night before. We'll get our clothes ironed the night before. We clock in. 
We clock out, and Monday's a different day where we live like the devil. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. But isn't that so true? God wants to stir up. He wants to stir up and boil us up and have passion. Amen? Because you could be old and married to some girl 50, 60 years, but there could be good old romance. You understand that? Walking down the beach and there's life in those hands. Come on now. But you could be a young couple together and walking down, but it's like you're miles apart. Geographically, you're close. Standing next to each other and walking, but your heart's away. There's like separation. There's a wedge between you both. God doesn't want a wedge between us and our nation. He wants to come. He wants his visitation time. It's habitation time. It's time for the Lord to come. And you know, this morning I want to say this, God wants access into your heart. And I'm going to encourage you, but I'm going to challenge you because God wants in. But remember, He's not an invader. He doesn't come invading His life to you. He comes via invitation. Satan invades. He takes opportunity. He will take advantage of a weak point or a hurt or a bitterness or a pain. He will come in where He's not wanted if you knew Him. But God stands at the door and He knocks and He says, let me in because I'm the one that brings eternal peace. I'm the one that brings light. I'm the one that brings life. I bring hope. I bring faith. I bring the riches of God. I bring empowerment. But you can go your own way or you can decide to turn your heart towards Him and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to allow you in. And this morning, it's a little bit like this. This is the battle of trust where our own independence, hey, our own independence is versus God. How much can we actually allow God in? Because some of us live like this. We can't, well, you can have this part, but oh no, oh no, 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 you can't have this. I got a whole control on this area. And as long as I do that, I'll be okay. But God says, let me in. Because if you do it with your own strength, you are limited. And then you are dependent on your own resources. But when you allow Jesus Christ, this is the prayer that I pray, God, I abandon my life and I ask that you would come and fully into my heart, that you would so consume every aspect of my heart because every decision that I make is birthed from my heart. You think about that, every decision a person makes, if you think about it, even on the sports field, it might be a skill set, it might be ability come from the mind, but ultimately it came from the heart. I can do this. I can get that break. Your decision to give somebody a slap around the chops still came from your heart. Your decision to invest properties and push through financially came from a sound decision perhaps, but still came from your heart. Divorce comes from the heart. Pornography comes from the heart. Conflict, it still comes from the heart. The Bible says here, the heart, I love what Kevin said the other day now, in our men's team and that, he says, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things who can know it. That's right out of the book of Jeremiah. And what God wants to do is come into our heart. If he's got his heart, he's got you. And if he's got you, then he can bless you. And then he can fulfill the destiny, the design that he had for you originally. Let's give the Lord a hand and let's get straight into it. Oh my goodness. So, so we understand that Elijah, the spirit of Elijah uh, deals, it has an anointing, uh, an anointing that deals in repentance and humility, but the Elijah anointing confronts the issues of the heart. That's important. He will turn the heart of the Father's distracted hearts, compromising hearts, emotionally locked up hearts, 
other priority, other value hearts, he's going to turn that towards the children. And he's going to children, going to turn the children towards the uh, parents because there's been an attack on families. There's an international attack. We're talking about COVID-19, but that's just a disease, folks. It's debilitating and it's horrible, but there are other invisible attacks, spiritual attacks. There's attack on masculinity. There's attack on femininity. There's attack on sanity. There's attack on emotional wholeness. There's attack in the area of of lack and poverty. We understand that. But there's an attack on people's self-worth, their self-esteem. There's attack on marriages. There's attack on our relationships with our children to separate us from our kids. There are invisible attacks, but we're seeing what the enemy does. The Bible refers to it as the work of the enemy. And so anyway, so uh, the good news is this, Jesus. <laughs> Let's say Jesus, can you? That's the good news this morning. What Jesus does, he comes with restoration. He comes with a plan. That's awesome. Jesus Christ came with a plan, a plan to restore you back to the Father. Okay, and so when it's restoring, uh, uh, it's kind of like, you get restored better than what you were. That's the principle. In Proverbs, it says this, if you stole something, you had to pay it back, plus add to it seven times. That's amazing. Deuteronomy is the same. When you do somebody a harm, you restore it back and you add to it. That's restoration, reconstructing or uh, renewing and changing and, and, and advancing it. But that, because, and that's what God does. Remember, with Adam and Eve sinned, but Adam and Eve walked with God. They weren't righteous. They were innocent in a sinless context. The Holy Spirit hadn't filled them. Jesus comes on the scene and is creating a new people group, a new ethnos, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the afternoon. They would walk with him. They would talk with him. How was your day, Adam? What did you do knowing full well what he'd done? Yet now, you and I, in the restoration plan, we actually walk with him, but he actually indwells us. So when God restores you, you might have been abused. You might have been betrayed, taken advantage of. You might be bitter and twisted sitting here this morning. God's redemptive plan is to heal your soul Heal your heart and make you better than you were beforehand. That's the plan. You might have had a relationship with somebody and you went out with her and you got married and things were great and you loved each other and boy, it was a great wedding and the family celebrated it all and those vows were so powerful. What a beautiful day. The honeymoon was fantastic. You got on with life. You had kids. Things got a little bit dry. Conflict came in. You got busy. You were like ships in the night. And yet me t- let me tell you this, and you front up to Jesus and ask Jesus to help our marriage, He will make it better than when you first got married. You've got to understand, that's His redemptive plan. God is about restoring. God is about healing. God is about delivering. The Lord spoke to me in New Zealand before I came here and took up office here. This is what He said to me. It was a prophetic word. He said, the church here, Celebration on the Rock Church, will be a house of salvation. It will be a house where healing takes place and many people will come and find their home here. God wants to restore us. A part of the anointing over us is actually to plug hearts in because this morning you could be completely disconnected. I know men, should I say this? Yeah. Um, 
Men that are completely disconnected. It's like there's nobody home. They talk to you, but you can't engage emotionally. They're so shut their emotions down. Or you can talk about work. Yeah, talk about sport. But really, you can't engage. You can't actually get into their world because they won't allow you in there. It's a no-go area. And they've learned to shut themselves down. And some of the women, they know it. They talk about it. They say, my husband is shut down emotionally. It's just like, we love each other, but it's just like, I can't, I can't go. I can't go into heart to heart. It's almost like there's a secondary life going on. I'll tell you what's happened is we've learned, we've learned patterns. We've learned just to shut ourselves down like that. But God wants to come in. Because when He brings healing, you know what He does? He brings wholeness. And that's what you want. You want wholeness because then you don't have the pains. You don't have the awkward feelings. You don't have the, resi- the bitternesses or the offenses. They begin to rough. They begin to go over your shoulders because you begin to view life from a different soul. You view life from a different spirit. God's inside. And He begins to live from the inside, bringing healing and deliverance. And then you begin to love another person. We begin to love others and we love ourselves. Because what happens is when we begin to close our life off from God, that area becomes isolated and that area becomes alone. We begin to close ourselves off through grief, disappointment, betrayals, negligence, not having empowered family, not being encouraged. You'll be surprised how critical that is. Maybe in a disadvantaged uh, circumstance. But what happens when we begin to close shop? And when we don't allow God in, then the enemy comes in and he infests around pain. And that's what in Elijah, Elijah, the Jezebel spirit actually comes around lives and actually brings out of the root of bitterness and out of offense and out of hurt and out of pain and out of rejection, begins to come around and consolidate that and re, uh, like reinforce it and make it like a stronghold and it sits on our heart. Now, this is the message here, is that what God wants to do through the church and through your life is to bring that anointing. Remember, turn the father's hearts to kids and kids to hearts. In other words, restore family, restore people together. Bring us as one together, love one another. It's the message of the gospel, loving each other. And what God wants to do is actually take out the pain and begin to break the shackles of the enemy and begin to heal our hearts. But the, the, the key is, is you have to come to a place where you actually invite him in. It's scary. Oh, of course it's scary. We've all been hurt. We've all got stuff we'd love to hide. A lot of us carry shame and embarrassment, awkwardness. It's easier to block people out. Ever met somebody, shook their hand and talked to them, but it's like they've got all these walls up. Ever try to get close to somebody? Got all these walls up. So they have all these defense mechanisms. And they'll put stuff on you and talk to you and that, but, it, but you don't know the man. You don't know the woman. Often we get into work and we work and we work and we work like an alcoholic, workaholic. But what we're trying to do is bury pain. Some of us talk so much when in a relationship. We talk, talk, talk. We don't like silence because if we give somebody the, the master conversation, then we're on the defense and they might say something that hurts us. So we've got all these armor, invisible armor that we barricade our life. That's how we live our life. I tell you, it's a, it's a shoddy way to live. It's a terrible way to live. It's, it doesn't help you. It doesn't help your family. Some of us fathers have found it very, very difficult to tell our kids we love them, hug them, because we weren't hugged. 
Now, already that sounds sissy in your mind, doesn't it? Hugging kids. What's wrong with you? But that's a wrong image right there. The very fact that we've embraced it in our cultures and we tell our kids off left, right, and center like it's going out of fashion, tell each other off, the mama tells the papa and vice versa, that's got to go. Tenderness, love, compassion, where God softens the heart. Amen. I know I'm talking to somebody here this morning, that's for sure. And uh, many of you would fall right into this, uh, this area. So let's look at what the Bible says about our heart. Okay, the heart is the center of our life. It says in Proverbs uh, 22, 7, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your heart is an indication. Your heart is like a reflection of who you are. And in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Hey, you need to watch your heart. Keep it, because out of your heart flow every single issue of life. Let me tell you the issues of life. If you want to change your marriage, change your heart. If you want to change your finances, change your heart. If you want to change your attitude or values, then change your heart. If you want to change your self-esteem, you need to change the inner man. The heart needs to be changed. And what God wants to do, God has the factory, if you like, of changing hearts. That's what He does, restoring hearts this morning. And then it says, Mark 7, 21, for from within the heart, out of the heart, flow all of our thoughts. This comes from the inner man. Praise the Lord. And in Luke 4, 18, probably one of our final scriptures though, Luke 4, 18, powerful scripture. Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. David, back in the Psalms, he says this, he said, the Lord has set my soul free. He's brought it out of prison that I might praise His name. Now what that means is this, you'll be surprised how many people are in a prison of bitterness, of loneliness, of hopelessness. And we live like that, or a prison of addiction. But He brought a soul out of prison. Do you know why, and I'm going to pick on us guys, do you know why our, um, a lot of our guys do not have joy? It's because we're locked up. We are. Give it to you as it is. We're actually locked up on the inside. Find it very difficult to cry. We're locked up on the inside. Some girls carry internal anger. Find it very difficult. Get ragey, get upset, or get reaction, or get sharp. But on the inside, there's just like there's pain. There's hurt. God wants in. He wants to bring healing. I don't think we can go further like this. What are you going to do? Live a five or 10 more years of a boring marriage because you can't get close anymore? Just existing? Well, we're okay just existing. But you look so unhappy. There are people on this island that are, that are respectfully, that are so unhappy. But on the inside, I think there's stuff that is going on on the inside. And I think it hurts the Father's heart because He's given us, He's paid the price for healing. He's paid the price for radical difference if we would just let him in. But you know what we do? We barricade our life with religion, with rules, with ethics, protocols, and that becomes our faith. And we shake those things. We get upset with the neighbor's church. It's not like that. It's about a relationship. It's, it's like life. It's liberty. It's freedom. It's all of that that Jesus wants to do. We've got to let them in. 
God will let him in. You know, one of, you, know you see, pornography, pornography, we say, oh, well, I'm addicted to pornography. You just got a heart problem. That's what it is. You see, they're saying right now that's an epidemic around the nations of pornography. But you think that's all it is is a heart problem. We say, oh, it's an addiction. No, it's a heart problem. You might be addictive because your heart is full of rejection. It's seeking warmth. It's seeking something else. You're finding it in the wrong place, but it's essentially a heart issue. And so that's why God, remember, He's changing hearts. He wants to come in and your cooperation with God say, God, break my heart, change my heart, change it. Change it. I need help, Lord. I need to break through. The enemy seeks, if you like, to distort and take advantage, if you like, over all pain, over all sin, and that's what he does best. Sometimes we begin to begin to make, if you like, well, I reckon what we do is begin to make our pains and our hurts like a little idol. So here's how this, you know what we do? We get hurt, so what do we do? More alcohol. Lonely, so what do we do? Another relationship. Upset, frustrated, what do we do? Begin to react more. And, and, and rather than, bury, or rather we've buried our pain and it just begins to come up out of our life like a little branch because the roots have not been dealt with, it sits there and we treat it like an idol. That's how we do it. Because we don't go to Jesus Christ. We're supposed to go to Christ. He's, he's got the offer on hand. He's saying, Lord, he's saying, I can heal you. I can deliver you. I can absolutely set you free if you'd come. But when we, when, a couple of things in this. When, when we come, we kind of like, and I've seen it in the counter weekends, we just give an offering, but we hold back so much. You can have all these areas, Lord, but don't touch this area. Now, we would never confess that, but that's how we live it. And it's shut down. And it's, those areas are lone areas. Those areas in our life are like isolated areas where God never gets an opportunity to come in. You're robbing yourself and you're robbing your children. You're robbing the next generation. If we become whole and say, God, come into me, come inside my heart, give you my heart. I did that at salvation. That's what we said, Lord, I get surrender my life. But we're talking about the seat, the decision-making, the, the, the internal, the, the Jonathan. What makes up Jonathan on the inside makes and forms his personality that you see is an inward man. How I respond in private, how I live my life in private, the temptations and the overcoming and bits and pieces and what I think and how I feel, all that is an indication of what's in here. God wants inside. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.